Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny Dana, and our Martin Craney to our Tony Pulis, our guest for this week, Tom Green. Uh, Tom, welcome back to the, the Borough Breakdown. Um, we are the Borough podcast that gives you the, the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsborough Fo- Football Club. And just before we start this week, um, I just want to thank everyone for giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We've now over, now on a, over 100 podcast reviews on podcast there. So thank you very much uh, for giving us a five-star rating or commenting on there. We really do appreciate it. Uh, but also, if you're not following us on the podcast apps or on YouTube, make sure you hit the follow and subscribe button on there and make, so make sure you don't miss out on any podcasts or any content that we post. So let's chat about the Borough. Um, and well, <laughs> what a reaction from Wednesday night. Um, three goals in the first half, two from Duncan Watmore, one from Marcus Tavernia, uh, which give Borough a 3-0 win over Millwall to move Borough back to ninth in the championship table. Um, Dan, I'm going to kick things off with you. It's the first time since the 18-19 season against, Sheff- uh, against Sheffield United where Borough have scored three in the first half and win to win 3-0. Um, how impressed were you with Borough's display yesterday? It was a big turnaround, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I would probably say it was the best performance of the season. I mean, the game was done in 15 minutes and all that talk that we had during the week of Borough not being clinical and not being good in the final third and then they, they offer that performance. It was it was really good and it was a bit of a yin-yang game because the first half was, um, you know, it was very, like I said, clinical. We were efficient in front of goal and then in the second half, to be fair, they changed personnel in the first half and then in the second half they came out and, and like, uh, Neil Warnock was saying they were trying to throw the kitchen sink at us to get back into the game and, and gain confidence and we defended well we dug in uh, we we didn't really need to score many goals to be honest uh, although it would have been nice uh, for us to score more than the three I don't want to be too greedy there but um, you know we were fantastic in managing that game because when you're 3-0 up I think you can get complacent but Borough weren't they were spot on from you know, the first minute to the to the last. I, th- I do think that was the best performance of the season. Yeah, uh, I agree. That first half, we were very, very clinical. But Tom, we, we switched formations yesterday. Um, we did speak about it on the pod on Wednesday about potentially moving to a more of a 4-4-2 or becoming a little bit more direct, maybe with a 3-4-2-1 um, to try and connect the the, the centre mids to the forwards. Um, we've, we had Tavern Watmore switching up front with Akpom yesterday. Um, do you think that was the key to help connect the midfielders to the forward just to make Middlesbrough more clinical up front? Yeah, it seemed like it. I think um, 
probably more what more than Tav. I, I noticed he was kind of drifting into the channels quite a lot, getting into a, um, the spaces between midfield and attack and linking it up really well. Um, I do think that's what we've been missing for, for a few games now. Um, see, Akpom had his chances yesterday as well, um, which they helped create for him. I think if he had stuck a, a couple of those away as well, could have done his uh, confidence a world of good going, going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he should have probably got one or two yesterday to be really critical of him. Uh, but I think he did play okay and played his part in, in the win. Um, I think he was right to be subbed uh, at the time when, when Brick came on. But Dana, we, I mentioned just there we moved to a 4-4-2. It was like two centre midfielders that we've spoken about in previous weeks where we could potentially be a bit too defensive in that, which may have affected Borough's attacking play. Um, but Housen's out for two weeks. Now, well, two to four weeks. We know it's going to be a bit of a big miss, but Moving to a two, I think we looked a lot more well-balanced with Morsey and Savile, with Morsey sitting in front of the back four and Savile being that box-to-box midfielder. Um, can you see Borough maybe opting for a two in midfield in the future rather than playing a, a three in midfield where it's very defensive? We probably have to because of the lack of options, but I still think even if we did have options, I do prefer that two in midfield um, if we're not playing a, a three-five-two, for example. But it was really good yesterday. I mean, uh, Savile and Morsey really gave the front players, the likes of Tav, Watmore and um, Akpom, the platform to have that fluidity and that interchanging movement up front. And, and that's what works yesterday. You know, they had that solid foundation and it just really allowed the, the forward line to thrive. And I do I do like that midfield when Johnny House is back of him, Morsey and, and Savile. But Elliot said it on the podcast that... Uh, last week that oh sorry on Wednesday that it could be a blessing in disguise that Johnny Housen is out so that we can change formation and it did force Neil Warnock's hand there to switch it up and I don't really I don't usually like us playing you know with four defenders because I do think we're suited more to three slash five but we did really well yesterday and to be fair we probably will end up sticking with the two in midfield I would imagine unless you want to maybe drop Marcus Tavernier into a midfield position, but it, it really worked yesterday. I thought the midfield was really good. I'd agree. It's it's so easy to to agree on a lot of things today, isn't it? We don't normally have like the comments in the play. It's like everyone was all saying very similar things. But what do you think was the difference yesterday? Then I know we were, we were clinical going forward, and I think it's the first time we've scored a three in ten minutes in a long, long time. Mm. Um, but what do you think the actual difference was in terms of? performance rather than again from from against Stoke and Preston seemed to be a little bit more bit more urgency about us a little bit a bit more you know winning that second ball being a bit in a bit more aggressive do you think that was a difference on on Saturday yeah definitely and I mentioned it after the Preston game that we are far too predictable going forward it's just the same rinse and repeat sort of tactics that we have going forward and we we gave Millwall a lot to think about with the, like I said, the interchanging movement of, of Watmore and Tav. I was having a look at their positions. Obviously, they were switching and Tav was quite central, even though he was out wide. And, you know, when you have that sort of system and you have that tactic, it does keep the opposition players guessing because they were picking up those spaces, those um, areas of, you know, those holes in behind the defence. And in fairness, Gary Rowett really, it was a massive old goal from Gary Rowett to play them with, five at the back I think it was because they I mean they don't strike me Millwall as a team that can play with that system they just seem like a rough and tumble sort of side you know old-fashioned if you like but maybe that's just the stereotype of Millwall but 
Um, yeah, it was a it it was a complete different performance to Preston and and Stoke because we had that urgency, like you said, and we were we were far from predictable going forward, which is why. Uh, we did score those three goals, and, and Duncan Watmore was was a massive plus as well. Both him and Tav were very, very good yesterday. Yeah, we'll get on to the Duncan Watmore and, and Tav in a second. But Tom, um, it was a resounding result, and, and we, we've all mentioned it, how how good we've been, and we're winning the second balls a lot more aggressive. Um, do you think Borough would played really, really well yesterday, or was it a case that we made Millwall look like a Billingham Synthonia and just look shockingly bad? I think it was a bit of both, you know. Um, I think for us, there was that sort of like bounce back from from that defeat of Preston midweek. I think the players probably went out there with a bit more of a point to prove um, after, you know, it was probably a bit of an unexpected defeat and to lose by that much in midweek. Um, but also, um, what I like to do during games, if we're winning, is go on the opposition team's Twitter pages and just see kind of like what their fans are making of it. And the negativity after like every goal, and just the the fact that I think it was nine games they they hadn't won for, and they were just like, "Oh, here we go again." <laughs> I don't know. I think it was a mix of both. I think uh, we've went out there with a point to prove, but then as soon as we've scored, they're probably their heads have went down, and the fans are like, obviously the fans don't have an impact, but you could see on on their Twitter pages they're just like, "Right, it's happening again." Yeah, well, they are. It has. It's not like they have, they've been terrible in in those nine games, is it? Either like I think they've drawn yeah. six out of those nine games, uh, so it, it's fairly consistent. I mean, consistently drawing is not that bad. I mean, if you do every single game, you get forty six points, and you might just escape uh, escape uh, relegation. But yeah, I thought I thought they were really poor yesterday, Millwall. Like I mentioned there, that they were like a little bit like Billingham Synthonia, where it was just a case of yes, they were wearing the green and white, and they kind of showed as well because they just. Didn't win anything in the second balls. They were overly defensive. Gary Rowe, I think, got his tactics completely utterly wrong. Um, and he tried to sit, try to sit back against a team that normally can't create much, and it didn't give us a platform to just get on the front foot and take the game by the scruff of the neck and go, "All right, then. Well, since you're going to give us all of this space, um, and you're going to sit back, then you know what? We might actually have a go here." And it's crazy what a bit of gambling gambling can do as well, isn't it? I think the oh, first yeah. time. You know, I think it's the first time we've actually gambled in the box this year with Duncan Watmore and we've managed to get two goals from him. Tav actually having a shot in the box um, and pointing away with a smart finish. It, it's just crazy what a little bit of gambling can do. Um, and I know we spoke about it in the last previous podcast, but we have needed to do that for the last few games. I hope that uh, that Warnock's just sat them down and said, look, we need to keep doing this and keep doing this, keep doing this. It's all right if we fail and we don't. You know, get on the edge of the ed, end of these crosses, what Johnson or Tav or whoever the wing is putting in. Um, as long as we're, we're trying to get in the right places, you know, either it's on the back post or running towards the front post, then we're going to be perfectly fine for the rest of the season. I think we will eventually take the chances, but it was just nice and refreshing yesterday to, to score three, uh, look promising going forward. Uh, and actually, I couldn't believe that we we scored three we scored three goals, and it got it got us down to actually use that uh, that video you made again. So what oh. more could you want? I was, oh, yeah. I was waiting for the headlines to come up. I was like, ah, oh. but everyone's calling him the, the ginger Messi now, the ginger yeah. ginger Janino. So it's like I think it's a bit of an insult, Duncan Watmore, that he's being compared to Janino, to be honest. So, um, but we'll speak about Duncan Watmore now, Tom. Uh, he's came in. He's played six games uh, for the Borough already. Um, he's now Borough's joint top scorer with Neymar with four, but Neymar's obviously just above that with goals contributed. So if you want to play that type of uh, 
that type of statistic. But have you been impressed with Duncan Watmore when he's came in? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, he's been more impressive than I expected him to be as well. Um, I think after that first game, I thought he looked very rusty that, that game. Um, he, he had a few attempted dribbles, if I remember right, and couldn't kind of quite get past his man. And I was like, oh, God, I was, how long is it going to take him to kind of get up to speed? And then it was like a different player in the second game and then the, the games he's played after that. I'm really impressed with how quick he is as well, um, considering he's had re- two really serious injuries how he still looks faster than pretty much anyone on our team. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm really impressed with, with him so far, the fact that he's, he's managed to chip in with four goals already and um, is it what, one or two contributions? Yeah, one or two contributions. It's just Neymar that's got more assists. Um, but it was nice. It was a great ball in from Neymar, you know, and actually gambled to get on the end of it. <laughs> so it to be you, fair, you it can't, was... You can't... It was good play from Akpom as well. It was good play from Akpom yeah. as well. Obviously, there's been a lot of criticism towards Boris strikers, but he held the ball up really well. Nobody really mentioned it apart from Warnock after the game about that that play from Akpom and that contribution because he takes the ball in, um, and and then Mil- the Millwall players grappling him pretty much until he releases the ball and very strong, direct, uh, and a good ball as well to Savile. And it's a- yeah, to Savile, lovely, lovely reverse pass uh, from Georgie Boy in the, and obviously with Johnson playing that cross goal for us to score. But I, my, like I said, like it's, uh, I think with Akpom, it's, it's a case of can we change our system to, to suit him a little bit more. I still think like you know, you know, it's it's, it's quite funny that once Akpom's got a player with him, it seemed his performance seemed to be a lot better. And he was in, he was in the player a lot more. And he wasn't coming short as much. I know. I think in the previous podcast when we stopped, or one before when we we said about Stoke, where his average position was in on the halfway line, it looked a lot further up the pitch um, against against Millwall, and it was good. And it, it, it helped us become a little bit more dangerous uh, in around the box, and you know, it was a chance to create more chances. But keep sticking with Duncan Watmore, Dana. Uh, Tom spoke about it there. He's a lot more direct. He's he's quicker and he's able to get past his man as well. But what do you think he actually brings to this football team? He brings energy with end product, which, you know, a lot of people want Patrick Roberts on the team who also brings energy, but doesn't really bring that, that end product. I don't know if, fair enough, the sample size isn't great because Patrick Roberts hasn't really been given a chance this season. But yeah, Duncan Watmore, he's in that sort of loose second striker position almost where he has the freedom to interchange positions and drop into those holes and, you know, pick the ball up and, and run at players. I think his nickname is the road one road runner or something, which I can I can see that. I can see it. But he he is really thriving and, and we put a tweet up last night saying that he's you know, he's scored four goals and he's had five shots. That is pretty clinical. He is taking his chance and I know Neil Warnock said it after the game that he he will be offered a new contract, an extended deal, and he absolutely deserves it. He's just, like I said, that energy, that outlet, I think that's the, the main thing. That outlet and that link between the midfield and the attack, which, like you alluded to there with Akpom, we haven't had that, and often he can cut a frustrated figure because he's so sort of detached from the plays. He's so... Um, isolated but when you have Watmore in the team and to be fair it wasn't just Watmore I will praise Tav as well because Tav was very good yesterday the, it was them it's... them two together I know <laughs> it really it really it's, is it's, 
Is is the is the humble pie eventually heating up on gas mark one? It is. It, it's it's twenty twenty. This is how crazy the year is. But no, them two together. If you take one of them out the team, I don't think that our player would have been as effective. The fact that we did have those two in the same lineup, you know, doing the similar roles, keeping Millwall guessing, it just added a, a whole different dyna- uh, dynamic and dimension to our play, which paid dividends we scored those three goals and, and really we could have we could have scored more we sh- we should have scored more um, <laughs> yeah we should have you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things there Dan about what mom uh, getting a new deal and about Patrick Roberts as well um, but Tom Neil Warnock mentioned yesterday that he's been offered a new deal Duncan what more um, what type of should what type of deal should we be offering him should it be like an end of the season job and make sure he he keeps fit towards the end of the season or should we time down to more of a longer term deal um, I think it's got to be somewhere in, in the middle of those two. I think we wouldn't want to risk, especially now that he's starting to prove that he's still got it. Uh, not not so much still got it, sorry, but like he, the injuries haven't affected him so much. Um, and he, he's chipping in with goals still at the championship level. Um, it might kind of alert other clubs. Uh, so we wouldn't want to just say kind of till the end of the season if he might get some better offers in January. But also, given his injury history, I wouldn't want to say, you know, let's let's go for like three years because then there's that risk that, you know, he, he could get injured next week with, with the same injury and then we've still got that contract. It's the same kind of mistake we make with like Justed and, and people like that. So I think somewhere in the middle as a compromise, like 18 months, I think would be perfect. See out the rest of this season next season as well uh if he can if the fitness is still there and injuries don't happen kind of over that 18 month then look longer term no it, it, i think it's uh i think 18 months is absolutely <clears throat> spot on he's still a young lad uh and he's just had some really bad injuries but i think how how sick must you be if you're a Sunderland fan now tom i think you know he's 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 been injured for two years. They've had to let him go, obviously, with his injury uh, injury list. But now he's came in. He's in the championship. And he's starting to score goals for for a rival team. Um, like, would you be pretty pissed off if you were a Sunderland fan? Yeah, I mean, I don't like, really like to imagine I'm a Sunderland fan that often, to be honest with <laughs> you. <laughs> if if that happened to us, and it was it was you know what one of our youth players who, who, who come through and. Uh, got injured for a couple of years, then went somewhere like Sunderland or Newcastle and sat performing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty annoyed. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. He's only 26 as well, Duncan Watmore. So the 18 month deal, he'll still only be 28 and he's just coming into his prime. So it's, uh, I think, yeah, borrowing good said with that, as Hope, he, he tends to, I hope he signs a new deal. I think, <clears throat> uh, I think Neil Warnock, like you mentioned, I think he's the right man to get the most out of Duncan Watmore. Um, in, in the next few months and hopefully you can keep fit and keep contributing because I think it's been a really, really good signing uh, for Borough. It, it was a bit, it was a, a really low risk, but seems to have given us high reward as well. Um, but you, you mentioned Patrick Roberts. Um, and uh, is, Do you think Duncan Watmore is the player that we thought Patrick Roberts would be this season? Yeah, I do think it's maybe a little bit too early to tell um, or to, to finalise that um that opinion to be fair I did say earlier that he does have that end product to all of his energy and a lot of people say well at least Roberts tries to do something and I understand that I mean it's always good to see a player try to uh, you know take the game to the opposition try to run at defenders and try to create something but Duncan Watmore is 
not only creating things but he's scoring goals as well and to be fair I know that there are a lot of calls for Patrick Roberts to be in the team but I, I can completely understand why he isn't mainly because of Duncan Watmore's form they're in sort of different positions I guess but they are still sort of similar players or similar type players they are that link between the, the midfield and the attack and I wouldn't take Duncan Watmore out of the team so in fairness I can't really see Patrick Roberts getting into the side for the foreseeable future if if I'm being honest. Would you, would, you, would you say that Roberts may potentially leave in the January window go back to Manchester City and recycle the next move? Maybe I mean it's a really big stage in Patrick Roberts' career because he's this is the third loan spell in a row now where he's really struggled to establish himself in the team. I was having a look at um, his stats at Girona. He made 24 appearances and I was thinking, well, that, that was a success then. He was a big part of their their team. He, you know, he was a, a mainstay in their side, but he only made four starts. And then mm. for Norwich, I think he made almost more appearances for their under-23s than their first team. So, you know, this it's no coincidence really. If three managers have tried with Patrick Roberts and he he hasn't got in, into the team, that there's something wrong on his end. I, w- I would assume, but it's it's a big, like I said, a big stage in in his career. Whether he stays at Borough, whether he goes somewhere else, he needs to take his opportunity. And I, I, f- I feel like he will stay because he'll get the opportunities. Um, just because of how threadbare our squad is, and he is an option from the bench at the moment. But he probably he's probably got to think long and hard about how he gets into this team, how he stays in this team, and if he doesn't, what he's going to do from there. Yeah, it's a bit of a strain, isn't it? The, the curious case of Patrick Roberts. Um, we've got a question here, Tom. Um, it's from Junie Ali, and it's on Instagram. And they've said the management clean—I'll say that again. The management team uh, <laughs> clearly don't rate Patrick Roberts. Uh, so, so why do the fans rate him? Uh, it's it's an interesting one, but why do you think that the management team aren't ready for to put him in the team yet, but the fans really want him in there? Well, from the fans' perspective, I, I would think a lot of it goes back to when he first came to us last season because he seemed to be the only one who was actually creating anything. Um, and he, even when uh, when Warnock took over, he, he did have uh, good positive spells in, in games. And I think... Since probably Traore left, we've not really had that in the team. Someone trying to attack the the fullbacks and get forward and create something. So we, we've missed that, and everyone's kind of wanted something like that for for ages. Um, so I think that that's why people still rate him, and he, he clearly does have have ability. Um, management, I'm not I'm not too sure. I can only think that might be something to do with positional play, but. Like I, re- I read something this week um, that said, I think it was after the Preston game, one that said, did he actually do anything when he came on? When he was asked why he only got 10 minutes. And then his training's been like fantastic since then. Um, I think it was in his pre-match press conference, Warnock had said, yeah, he's, he's really caught the eye and he, it's the first time he's done that for a while. But then he still only got five minutes at the end of the game. Now, when we were freeing them up and making our first lot of changes around the hour mark, I was expecting to see Roberts because I was like, well, we're freeing them up. You may as well give him a chance to actually you know, prove, prove something. Um, he's trained well, um, but now I'm kind of thinking, what more does he, not what more, but uh, what more does he have to do to actually like, get, a, <laughs> get a chance in the, uh, in, in the team? Um, 
I'm, I'm not too sure. To be honest, I, I can only think it must be something uh, positional or, or tactical that he's not doing. Mm. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's an interesting one. I think he does have the quality there. Um, does but it's, it could be a case of does Warnock see him as a starter or does he see him as a, a more of an impact player when he comes on? Um, some players are just better suited to the bench and then to come on rather than starting again. It could be one of those things, but me, I, I do think that he needs he needs to have a run of games uh, in the team. I think sometimes when you come off the bench consistently, you're only getting five, ten, fifteen minutes. It's hard to make an impact sometimes, and it's, it's very he's only really used when chasing the game and we're trying to create something or nothing. Hmm. Um, sometimes we need that. But I think Tav's done very, very well this year in terms of keeping him out. He's been very, very diverse, and we'll come on to that in, in, in a second. But I think Roberts does need a chance in the sides. Um, but you can't take what more out there at the minute if we're going to play a 4 4 1 1 or 4 4 2. I don't think you can do that. If, you, if you're struggling with what more's finished, uh, fitness, sorry, then you've got to maybe probably put Roberts in there and, and try and you know, utilize him. I think if we're not going to utilize Patrick Roberts, then there's no point in being here. I know it says with the squad's threadbare, but it's pointless if we're, if we're not going to play him. We, we, he's got a, probably a, a decent salary when we're paying probably half of that wedge. And it's like, well, get rid of him. Get rid of the the, the wages and can we potentially bring in a Yannick Balassi or Grzycki where we might be able to afford the wages and get more time out of them on the pitch. So I think it's a difficult one for the club to, to manage at the minute. But I would like to see Robert Small, but if we're not going to play him, then I think we just should should just shake hands and, and let him go on for mm. the best of his career and hope and hopefully kicks on for that. But yeah, Robert yeah. has to be selfish on that front. Yeah, it was interesting yesterday that he only came on really because Dyke Steele was taken off because Neil Warnock wanted to protect him. So would he even have got on if uh, if Warnock hadn't done that? Because obviously he, he brought Roberts on and pushed Jed to to right back. But it is a real head scratcher with Roberts because. To answer your question that, that you um, asked Tom, he, he always seems to pass the eye test, to put it in FPL terms, but not all the time do we see those players give an attack in return. And everybody always says, like I mentioned earlier, that he tries. Well, at least he's trying something. But how how long can you go trying something with with no end product and and we've we've seen and we've said on this podcast he does tend to run into blind alleys and and overrun the ball and take it too far and and make the wrong decision now there's no doubt in that he's got quality there but like i mentioned with the the loan spells this is the third one now and you do have to pose the question about roberts himself what is he doing is it his lack of um is it lack of fitness yeah attitude i mean just what what Tom was saying there about uh, Neil Warnock's comments. He said, uh, in fairness to Patrick, he's trained very well this week and I've been pleased with him. Uh, that's the first time for a while he's caught my eye. Hopefully the penny has dropped. Like, I can only take from that that it's an attitude problem or that he's, mm. I don't know, there's, there's something wrong there, that he's, maybe he's not confident enough, maybe he's believing his own hype. I don't know. Um, it is really the, the curious case of Patrick Roberts. It really is, but I think it'd be interesting to see if he comes into the team uh, midweek against Luton. I think like, it could be a, a good game for him. Just play him behind Brit or something like that, you know what I mean? Play him in that 1-1. If Watmore's not 100%, I feel like that would be a, a good position for him to really thrive in, really, cause, because really all he has to do in that game is probably look out for their num- uh, their, num- their number four, play more of a defensive midfielder, play five, ten yards off him. It's very, very easy to pick up the spares from there and just try and play a Brit or a Pommin. Um, I think like I know it sounds ridiculous me saying that on, on a podcast, and I'm not a professional footballer, so it's like 
it's hard for me to kind of like compliment uh comment on that but it just seems like if i was if i was robertson that case i'd be looking to play off the, the number four try to create the space for the for the striker again and get in the box because if Britt wants that ball in behind, then you've got someone there to probably connect it. Um, but Danny, you mentioned Anthony Dykesdale, and if Roberts wouldn't come on, uh, Roberts wouldn't have come on if it wasn't for Dykesdale. But he was back in the squad yesterday, Anthony Dykesdale. Um, a clean sheet, which was the given. Um, do you think Borough looked more solid with him in the team yesterday, or do you think it was more of a case that since Borough changed shape and looked more well-balanced, that it helped us become more solid in the, uh, across the defence? A little bit of both, but you know, Anthony Dyersteel's calmness is such a big influence on the team and, and, and on the defence in the defence, sorry. And it was really good to see him back. The Preston game obviously he did play, but Neil Warnock said it himself that they wouldn't have scored that third goal if, if Dykesteel had been hundred percent fit. And you could tell during that game that he wasn't himself, that he, he clearly wasn't fit. But really, really good to see him back. It was a a case of personnel and the, you know, the system, the formation yesterday. I said I, I don't I don't tend to like us playing far at the back. We we always seem to struggle, but that four four two really gave us the platform, and and it's so rigid and structured that, um, you know, especially behind the front line, to be able to maintain that defensive solidity and and make no mistake, there's there's absolutely um, no one else I would want in that defence other than Anthony Dyke still to really calm um, everyone down, and and to be fair as well. Uh, it wasn't just like still yesterday. It was the whole. It was the whole defence. I thought Paddy McNair and Dill Fry were absolutely outstanding again, again and, and Matt Bowler was good as well. So, both personnel and and, and uh, system change for me that um, contributed to that clean sheet. Even Mark Bowler was doing overlaps in the ninety second minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that quote. It was great. I wasn't mad at Mark Bowler doing uh, doing overlaps in the thirty second minute. You know, Neil Warnock I mean? was. <laughs> I know, yeah. Warnock just wanted to keep the shape, didn't he? It was like just trying to do the game out. But hey, I'm I'm all for the wing back going forwards. I've always been like that. But um, I know it sounds daft. I'm just going back to it. But you know, what we were saying about Patrick Roberts not making like uh, making an impact on a loan deal. It could potentially be that um, what league he plays in because. Lucas Nemecha for Anderlecht at the minute. He's absolutely flying. Like, he can't stop scoring. He scored the winner yesterday as well for my beloved Anderlecht. So, think about you know it. What? Think about it. If you think have ham it. and it's old, old ham. It's just the best thing he's ever done. That, that's the best thing he'd done in a borough shirt. It wasn't even in a borough shirt. That was one of the first things I did when I got a car. I just won a copy of Lucas Nemecha. <laughs> 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 pull up and start I doing uh, these pulls of wisdom on Snapchat. <laughs> Maybe Patrick Roberts needs to start doing those type of uh, those type of things. You know, getting it was calm. Maybe like create an anagram or something to tell everyone to think about it. You know what I mean? Think about oh, it. Think about it, Patrick. Think about it. Um, but Tom Anthony Dykesdale uh, <laughs> over the last couple of games. We've really missed him, haven't we, in terms of like the, the games against Stoke and Preston where we look really defensively frail, which is crazy to think about given how good our defence was before the international break. Um, we had the best defence in England and then we just can't stop conceding now. Um, but can you see... I mean, you see Borough maybe moving back to a three. I know Dana prefers uh, seeing us in a back three or a back five. Can you see Borough potentially moving back to that? Or do you think Borough pretty set in that 4-4-2 I think it'll be different formations for for different games. Um, I think 
because Warnock said previously we can only really play the free when uh, when Dykesdale's there. Um, and just going back to to what Dana said, like I think his calmness uh, in the in the defense can benefit either of those systems. For me, he's so good to watch, and I'm not at all saying these are like comparing him to to this player, but. One similarity I can see is when we had uh, John Obi Mikel for that six months, when he got the ball in centre midfield, it was like everything was in slow motion around him. He was so calm and he just passed the ball out to, to somewhere. For me, Dyke still is very similar. When he gets the ball at the back, you calm down a bit because you know he's calm. He's just going to pass it out to whoever needs it. Um, so it'll be different formations for, for different games, but I think he's uh, integral to either one of those those systems. It's interesting that you mentioned that he, when he gets a ball, it's like watching him in <clears> slow <throat> motion a little bit. He used to, obviously, used to be a defensive midfielder at Charlton before moving into a right-back position. Um, and I think he looks really comfortable in, in a three. Um, and, you know, he's more central to the game. He can see the game in front of him. Um, and, of course, he can, he can pick up the pass and create the space for us to create an angle and try to get a quick, intricate pass in and move the ball up the pitch. And I think he is very, very good. I think like Steen has hope that he continues to be in form and, and be this quality player because think about financially, you could probably get quite a bit of a uh, bit of money for him in the next couple of windows if he continues to uh, to progress at the way he's progressing right now. But I think Neil Warnock's getting the best out of him. I think he's been a big, big miss over the last couple of games. I think we can really utilize him in a three, but also if we wanted to put him in a in the, the centre defensive mid role, if there was ever like an injury to Morsey or Housen, I feel like we could comfortably do that, and I feel like he'd do a really good job there as well. Um, but speaking of players that could maybe move positions, I want to speak about uh, Marcus Tavernier. Um, Tom, another player who's been very, very diverse this season. He's played at right wing back, he's played at left midfield, he's played in centre mid, behind the striker. Can we actually praise Marcus Tavernier for the versatility that he's got in his in his uh, in his locker? Yeah, definitely. I think he's like this season's Johnny Housen, isn't he? Just plays wherever he's needed. Um, to be fair, like last season, and I suppose even this season, like I can't really tell what his best position is. It's like, is it centre midfield or is he a winger? Like that's been the question for well, as long as he's been coming into the team, I think. Um, but he's he's definitely. You know he's played where he's needed and whatever's benefited the team. And he's he's done a half decent job wherever he's played as well. Um, obviously, it's not ideal. I think if uh, if Warnock had the the squad size that he he wanted, um, Tavernier wouldn't have to play in those positions. But when he's had to fill in, he's he's done well. I I agree. Like, I think he's I think Dinner when he scored a lovely goal yesterday, um, and. You know, he's playing in those positions where he's probably not most comfortable in. Um, but do you think, like Tom mentioned there, do you think he really needs to nail down a position and really grow in that and then just use a different positions when, as and when he's needed? So do you think it's more of a case of should he really nail down a position now or where could he potentially nail it down? I don't think he needs to yet, just because he will be put in different positions throughout the probably the entirety of the season unless we sign some players in January that means he has to but I, I do like um, Marcus Tavernier out wide I've said it before uh, I, I just prefer him out there he looks better there that you know he can cut inside and he can get a shot off like he did yesterday he can buzz around and he, and he, he does a really good job defensively 
when I think about Marcus Tavernier, I do think about his um, tracking back and that uh, goal-saving tackle, that last-ditch goal-saving tackle against, I think it was Coventry. That is probably a, a key reason as to why he's in the team so often under Neil Warnock because that's what he appreciates, you know, getting back, helping the team, not just in his place, you know, up front, but defensively as well getting back tracking back and I don't know whether I, I, I've always thought this um, I don't know whether this is true but I'm pretty sure he came through the academy at some stage as, as, as a fullback um, if I've just plucked that from thin air I do apologize <laughs> but even if like you know he, he didn't you can see that he he's kind of comfortable you know coming back um, tracking back defending you know, doing that dirty work that you wouldn't really expect of a forward player but to be fair to him, his versatility is is really valuable for us. Like it was with uh, Johnny Housen last season. You do need players like that, and especially with uh, again how threadbare our squad is, we need players to be able to play in different positions. And um, it might hamper him in certain roles because he's not really getting that consistency. Having said that, he has had a, a consistent run um, as an attacking midfielder, but. I do prefer him out wide. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't think he needs to, but ideally, probably beyond this season or maybe beyond January, it's probably time for us to see him really make a role his own. Could we could we like flip it maybe and say that given that he's playing a lot of positions right now, he's getting a much better picture of the game in general because if he's if he can play at right wing back or left midfield or centre attacking mid or centre forward or wherever he wants to play if he wants to play in goal he can play in goal but it's like a case of if he's getting that apprenticeship if, if you like of understanding different roles on the pitch on the pitch he might get a better picture in the in the game and and he eventually finds and nails down a position like say it was a centre attacking midfield role he understands what each position brings to the team if that makes sense mm. um so it could be like that case, really. I think it could be. A, he's only twenty-one, so it's like it's a. He could spend the next two, three, four seasons understanding different positions, and when he understands a different position or finds a position that suits him, he can might be able to stick into it, and then hopefully kick on his career from there. So yeah. it could potentially be that way. I um, do, yeah, I do agree with that because I think he does have a lot of attributes that can you know make him play different positions like he already has done. So the, it's always good to have a lot of strength to your ball and uh, I completely agree. I think that will help him. But you know, like you mentioned as well, he is only 21 so there's no rush with him. I would have, however like to see him really nail down a, a spot and make that his own. Um, if not this season, then you know next season. Uh, Tom, do you think he gets a bit of unnecessary criticism, Tav? Do you think fans expect a lot of him for such a young lad? Yeah, but I think that goes back to like even... I think he's probably done well in a couple of sub-appearances when he was first breaking into the team. But I can remember under Pulis, everyone was calling out for Tav to be in the team. Um, and he, he'd only get about... It was similar to Patrick Roberts. He'd get about 10 minutes at the end of the game and they expected to kind of uh, do something there. So I think there's always been a bit of expectation on him. Um, not entirely sure why, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, th I think there's, like I said, quite a bit of expectation. But I think he's just he's turned into kind of a, a consistent team player now, uh, and that one player who's going to kind of come on and, and, and turn everything around. Uh, that's fair enough. I think is that we need that consistency. I think we said at the start of the season that 
we can get five or six players that can really average a six or seven out of ten, we're going to have a really good foundation there to hopefully kick on for, for not probably not this season. I think it's a bit too soon, but maybe the next season, if Warnock wants to stay, um, we can really kick on and maybe push up the table towards the playoffs and maybe look for a promotion season. Um, but let's move on, Dana. Let's chat about Wednesday night. Or, I mean, it's Wednesday night when we play uh Luton Town. Um, the Hatters under Nathan Jones have really changed the form over last season. Nathan Jones couldn't do it at Stoke, but he went back to Luton and he seems to have got them playing again. Um, let's let's break them down. What have you got for us? Yeah, you mentioned Nathan Jones there. I think him and Luton are a perfect match. And in fairness, I, I want to give some credit to Luton here because last season I thought they were shoe-ins to go down. I thought they'd go straight back down and we wouldn't hear from them again. Are you going to say... <laughs> I think I'm going to say something else there. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to give credit to Luton because <clears throat> last year there was shed. So. <laughs> well, I can't say that. We didn't beat them, did we? But um, yeah, the, the, very true. I thought they'd struggle this season as well, if I'm being honest. They're currently 11th. They're just a point uh, below us in the table. They won the last game 3-0 against Preston. Always good to see a team uh, get knocked down a peg or two in Preston there. Uh, James Collins scored a hat-trick in that game. He's been coming under some criticism from Luton fans because he's. I think he's one of those inconsistent players that you often have doubts over. Are they good enough for this level? Is he a, a number nine that should be playing at, the, at this level, a, a centre-forward that is good enough? But he scored a hat-trick against Preston, a very good hat-trick as well it was. Um, and I was looking, this is a really interesting um, little fact here, I was having a look at their, their squad and a lot of them have, have rode with them beyond, oh, sorry, before their championship days. So Shea, Potts, Rhea, um, Cornick, Collins, they, they were all with the club since League 2. Moncur, Bradley and Pearson since their time in League 1. So... No, their, their style of play is a little bit mixed, but their key influence, I think, is Nathan Jones and is that team spirit. He's um, he's he's really got them embedded into a, a real team philosophy that is taking them through games this season. He uh, managed his 200th game at the weekend, and that was his 100th victory. And he just seems to bring a lot of confidence in the players. And from, from the outside looking in, they, they do appear to have a really good um, team spirit. They completely outplayed, outfought and outrun Preston. Uh, and they, they they definitely deserve the win. A lot of Preston fans were were doing that good old oh team, we should be beating teams like Luton, but this is the championship. You you get teams that yeah you are you probably do expect to beat them, but you never do. And exactly like last season was against Luton, I certainly didn't expect it to be three three at the you know the opening game of the season. I thought it'd be three or four nil to us, even though we don't score goals. I thought we would we would tear them apart and we didn't. So it will be a tough game. I certainly don't expect them to be any pushovers. Um on Wednesday. I know they're not at home. If they were they would have that home advantage because they are allowed fans in. Um but yeah, a, a game that I'm quite interested in because <laughs> I tried to look at their forums to see what their fans are thinking, but honestly, I literally felt like I was going in a time machine trying to look at some of those websites. Honestly, <laughs> it was like going back to 2003, but yeah, quite quite interested in this game. It is, it is an interesting game, um, but Tom, Nathan, Nathan Jones, uh, he, he took a job uh, at Stoke when he probably shouldn't have. Um, he's, got, he's gone back to Luton now. But what do you expect from Luton this year? Do you think that Nathan Jones is going to probably get them as a mid-table side or do you think they're going to be still scrapping towards the bottom end of the table? Yeah, 
I think uh, potentially he could kind of build on last season for them, and it, it does look like that's happening already. I know by the end of last season, there was what us, Barnsley, them, uh, must be Stoke, all kind of fighting it out, just trying to, to stay up. But it does actually seem like they're close to establishing themselves as just a championship club this season rather than relegation uh, candidates. I think I, I think it's going to be a really, really tough game for us. I, I really do. I think it's going to be a case of like, I know it sounds really cliche, this, and I'm going to sound like 20 persons. Like, I look like 20 people today as well with um, with my cap on and my, and my fleece. But it's, uh, I honestly think it's going to be a game of who wants it more. And that sounds ridiculous. But I think with their 4-3-3 in formation, I think they're going to make it really, really difficult for us in the midfield and try and utilise extra man if we keep going in that 4-4-2. I think they're going to try and press us and really kick the lump out of us, to be honest, to, to see see who essentially who wants it. I think they've got they can come to the Riverside with absolutely no pressure on them at all. Um, they're doing quite well this season. I think Nathan Jones, like you mentioned there, Denny's got a good team spirit there, and they're playing good football at times. They're getting in around with the full backs as well and get using the all that quite well. But I think it could be it could be a really tough tough game for us. But let's move on to the predictions. Um, yeah, no. Do you want to go first? What, what are you uh, thinking? Well, think the yeah. Borough win, draw, lose, game uh, abandoned? What are you mm, thinking? Game abandoned. Uh, I, to be honest, I'm feeling a one-all. <laughs> I, I really don't think Luton are going to be pushovers there. Um, I think they're very good on their set pieces. I was having a look uh, there. They've got. I mean, we saw we saw Sonny Bradley when we um, had the hospitality against Luton. He was massive. Yeah. He was huge. Um, so yeah, I thought it was just a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it so might. Have I drank too much of this? <laughs> it, it might have been for Elliot, but um, no, I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I reckon a one-one-one-one. One-one for Dana. Tom, what are you thinking? I'm going to Norborough win. I'm going that just because I think we can, we should avenge what happened last season. That free-free, obviously, no one expected this. And that 1-0 loss at home to him where it was like that scuff shot into the bottom corner was one of the worst games of football I have ever watched. It's up there with Barnsley away last season mm. as as just an absolutely terrible game of football. Um, and that, it? it was Woodgate in charge for both Luton games last season, so I'm looking forward to seeing Warnock turn it around this, this year. Yeah, I think going back to that first game of the season, everyone was buzzing after that, you know, and wing uh, ping the top bins. And when Britain obviously missed that penalty where it nearly hit the roof of the stadium, uh, we, we should have really won that game, to be honest. We yeah. won it comfortably as well. Sky Sports uh, we were comparing wing to prime Beckham during that was the way uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hit that goal into the top corner. <laughs> it's funny how things change, isn't it? It's funny. <laughs> we all thought Anthony Dykesdale was never going to be a footballer. Now he's great. Mark Bowler just didn't get a look in. Now he's instrumental left wing. Um, but yeah, even even uh, Lewis Wing, you know, can't even get a look in now. But yeah, I agree with you though, Tom. That those two games of, of well, the Luton one and the Barnsley game, both absolutely dreadful. Um, I'm so glad I, I couldn't remember much of the Luton game. <laughs> Because, you know, the hospitality, but all the, the bands, you know, Jesus Christ, mate. I think the best part of that game was when at the start of the game, we all started singing Sweet Caroline. That was probably uh, the best bit. Apart from that, it was absolutely dreadful. Um, but I'm going to go with a 1-0 win, I think. I do think we'll edge it. 
Um, I think it's a battle of the set pieces, which is crazy, given we don't actually don't actually score from them. Um, but I feel like we'll score a scruffy goal and then we'll, we'll end up winning 1-0 around the 75th, 80th minute. <laughs> borrow, borrow win 7-0 or something stuff like that. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> Warnock comes in the press conference goes, eh, who said we can't create Borough Breakdown, eh? Who's that cool? <laughs> Leo. Tom's just gone after it. <laughs> <laughs> See, when, when, you, when you give them a bit of grief, you know what I mean, they pull out a result like that, that's, that's what we're all real for, to be honest. We don't True. actually mean it. We're just doing it to, we're just doing that to, like, you know, like, walk the bear a little bit here, just to see, uh... we We just want the assist, don't we? We want the um Kev- so, yeah. the, the Kevin De Bruyne unclaimed assist award. Uh, well, that's exactly what we want. I, I'm I'm still <clears throat> I still 100% believe that Neil Warnock's got. If we get promoted, I'm gonna get Neil Warnock, Horny Horny tattooed on my backside <laughs> in his in his office. It's just like it's just literally there, like bought some like uh, like <laughs> like Muhammad Ali, uh, like Martin Luther King, Johnny Bullock, whatever it's down 2020. <laughs> I mean, Neil Warnock doing his uh, best Neil Bowser smile next to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already hope it doesn't happen, but I, I do think we'll be a mid-table side, so I still feel pretty confident. But we've got some, we've got a good run of games coming now, so it makes a lot of sense for Borough to absolutely panic and go and be towards the relegation zone um, after, in, the middle, in the middle of February. But that's it guys uh thank you very much uh for joining me as always thanks tom for our tube rack tom uh, for coming back on you uh really do appreciate it for filling in for us uh, but also i want to thank the listeners as well we really do appreciate the podcast listens and the comments that you give us um, and the tweets and the engagements we really do appreciate we are creating something something really great um online now and i just want to shout out to, to matt who says superb and honest analysis and best podcast around and also lingdale's finest and and, uh, banter, I can't even. I can't even say. It. <laughs> I was laughing uh, at that. Banter. I was laughing at that. What is it? Bantalicious. Uh, no, it says good ba- Bantabulous. 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 Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> uh, but it's good chat with some good analysis and razor sharp bands. So there you go. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. So the Warney Wobble. Uh, see, it sounds like a dancer with that the Warney Wobble in it. <laughs> just swing your eyes, just clicked. Um, the Warney Wobble seems to be over, but Borough by a three against Millwall. This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod. Hope the Borough Breakdown. <laughs>